and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. I'm not, I'm not seeing, for whatever that ceiling was, and obviously I think you'd say it's the West Conference final season, right, to be what mm-hmm. their success was. But, like, whatever you thought it was, if they would have properly built out the rest of that roster, mm-hmm. I, I think in just year one, I, I just don't feel that same chemistry, I, I don't know, I, I lack of a better term, between him and Dame. I think... Dame being out last year and him getting that run where, you know, he went off and right before they sh- he got shut down, like he was primary guard one handling, handling the ball and usage rate was higher. And I just, I've never felt great watching them play together. Like they had that start. The start was cool, but there was some game winners in there and some shots went their way. And like, they've completely fallen off since then. And I know Ant's been hurt for a minute, but I, I just, I'm kind of with you in terms of where where personally I think they would choose. I think they would because I I just I'm not I'm not seeing it with those two the way that you saw it with the last rendition of the backcourt that that way. Well, I think it's kind of unfair to like already draw that conclusion because CJ and Dame had eight or nine years or whoever. A hundred percent. And also, and also, 100%. like this is for for all intents and purposes, this is really the first season that they've had playing together because for the first Ant's first two years in the league, he barely played, and then right. last year uh, he started playing more, and then Dame, you know, had the injury. Like this is the first year that it's really been like you go into the season; those are your two starting guards. Like that that just has not been the case the rest of their careers like it took Damon cj like and even Damon cj like right away it took them a few years because like at the beginning of cj's career like his first couple years in the league were like the last years were of like the wesley matthews and batum and like those teams and like Mm -hmm. lamarcus aldridge where it wasn't just you know cj comes in the league and immediately it's him and dame as the number one and two options like it took time for them to build that too and like i i I I I I get where I totally get where you're coming from. I think I I think I I think it's like not an entirely apples to apples comparison. I'll say this too, and you know, you and Danny have talked about this too. I do not think that the attachment and refusal to even consider moving CJ that existed previously is there for any player besides Dame with the current front office. Like as much as like they love Ant. Joe loves Ant. They just gave Ant this contract. He's been really good this season for the most part when he's been healthy. They drafted Shaden. They love Shaden. They think Shaden can be a future all-star. If one or if one or both of those guys has to be included for like a Joel Embiid or, you know, somebody like that, I have no doubt they would do it. I don't think they would be like, oh no, we're not gonna trade for, you know, an all-NBA, you know, guy that makes us a contender in the West because we love this guy that we drafted so much. I think too that let me add to it, like as I preface that by saying it's not entirely fair it it is an apples to apples and if they can go out this summer and there's a move that presents itself where they have the 
assets to 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 go get a Pascal. But I'm just throwing a name out there, and they don't have to give up. And I get it. Like run it back. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying like when you go a decade with doing something, and then you restart it, but you restart it with the similar direction. Uh-huh. I I think it just it's not fair to him. But I think you get people that go, oh, so the last one didn't work when we did this, but this one's this one's gonna be different. And I don't, oh, uh, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say it was a great year one for the debut of, yeah, this is gonna be different. I I don't think it's. But been it a great also wasn't a, it wasn't a great year one for a lot of things. Like the two hundred percent right. Like to me, like to me, the two like unequivocal positives of this season that are like there's no qualifier. Like oh well, you know there's this, but then they still need to work on this. The two things that are just completely like a hundred percent. This is a positive. This is something you can feel good about moving forward from this season. One is that Dame is back, and Dame is as good as he's ever been or better. The other is that Jeremy has fit in just as well as everybody thought he would when they traded for him. Those are the two mm-hmm. things that you can point to and say, these are unequivocal successes. These are the two mm-hmm. things that we know for sure we have going into next year. Everything else, you know, you can talk me into either direction. Well, well, you also shortchanged my guy, Drew Eubanks. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you didn't give him his flowers for the season. He's he has, the but, guy, uh... Drew, is the, <laughs> Drew is the guy that I actually, for the most, you know, for his sake, I really hope that the news that we just talked about at the top of the show about Nurkic maybe playing on this road trip is true because like Drew is doing the best he can and Chauncey has praised him all season for the amount of effort that he puts in but you put him up against Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or in the game right before the all-star break against Kristaps Porzingis he doesn't have a shot and it's not a knock on him it's not anything he's doing or not doing he just you put a 6-9 guy up against Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, like, it's not going to go well. Like, I for, yeah, so just a, for his sake, I just for his sake, I hope I hope Nurkic is able to play against Philly. Well, put him against Clint Capella and it doesn't go well. I mean, it's right. just, it, it, he's, he's it's under not, the it's just spot, a, It's just a size thing. He's doing the best he can, but, like, he's a 12 the, to 15 the, minute a game guy on a good team. For, for 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 your listeners though, I want to be fair here. Like, I, I, I think more people are probably in line with you and they're like, oh, Really, Sprague, like you're going to say that. And it's not fair, but I'm sorry to have the opinion. I'm We're on a timeline here. This this isn't 26-year-old Damian Lillard. And I, I'm not saying Dame's in the last year of a prime, but damn it, man. Like you, you just said, right? It took two, three years for the Dame CJ. I, three years? I mean, if they don't find that right wing player to pair with Jeremy Grant, Dame, and Ant, I, we don't have three years. I'm I'm on a Dame timeline here. So everything I evaluate and everything I think is on the Dame timeline. It's not, well, when Ant's 27, he's really, I don't care. And then Shaden will be 22. Care. And then like, they yeah, can, yeah, I, no, and, I don't and, care. And just from his post trade deadline press conference and his comments, I think Joe Cronin feels that, and I haven't I haven't talked to Joe since the press conference, so I I you know this isn't like exclusive information. This is just like stuff he said on the record in the last month since the trade deadline. I think Joe is operating from the same standpoint that you are. That the only thing that's going to be important in whatever uh, moves he makes going forward this summer, next trade deadline, whatever the case may be, is. How does this help Dame contend? That's gonna, and that's why I said, like, 
if both Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp and and like a four first round picks or whatever have to be included in a trade for Joel Embiid or somebody of that caliber, Joe is going to be like, does this make us with Dame a contender? Yes. Okay, fine. Do it. It sucks to trade these guys. It sucks to trade these picks, but it's what we got to do. That's what that's what it is. And I think I think Joe knows that, and I think he understands that he's on the clock and that the organization is kind of on the clock to make this happen while Dame is still playing at this level. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's um, – I tend to agree with that based on what we've seen comment-wise. Now, the summer's going to – It's that's a different challenge. The summer's different, right? And yeah. they, they, they got a lot of swinging to do for the fences, and, and I hope that they come up big or come up to the point where you can at least acquire the right piece or pieces to get to – even where Wes and LA and Dame teams were like, be that sneaky good team that teams don't necessarily want to face. And maybe your bench is a little better because, Oh, by the way, uh, assuming, you know, you make some of those moves. Oh, you got a trend in Watford off the bench and he's kind of underrated and under the radar. Like I at least and that's want the thing that. when you trade, when you trade, like, let's say like the absolute pie in the sky scenario comes true. And, the trade ends up being Joel Embiid for Simon's Sharp, Nurkic to match salary, and however many picks and swaps that it, it takes to make that happen. Let's say that that happens, and then you re-sign Grant for whatever I think they're going to re-sign him for. Your big three, so to speak, are Embiid, Dame, and Jeremy. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a Lakers, you know, LeBron, AD, Russ, and the whole rest of the roster is like vet main guys who are like not barely NBA players or, like, past their prime veterans. Like, you've still got Nasir Little on a good contract at that point. You've still got Trenton Watford on a minimum. You've still got Jabari Walker on a minimum who's shown some stuff. You're going to be able to re-sign Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel as restricted free agents for probably not that much money, both of whom have shown some stuff in the last few weeks mm -hmm. since the trade deadline. Like, they're going to have this other stuff available, and they're going to be able to still... If you have those three guys and that's taking up most of your cap, they're going to still be able to get guys around them so that at least you have, you know, you can go seven, eight deep of like NBA rotation players. So it's not just your three super, you know, max or close to max guys and then a bunch of you know minimum guys. And like if, if either of your main guys gets injured, you're screwed. I, ju I just I, I don't want. The current front office situation, you, you brought up the past and how they were reluctant right. to, to, to make certain guys available. Right. I would, I would be a miserable, miserable. I would be an awful general manager. But I can tell you <laughs> right now, the one thing I know I would do is I would be a Daryl Morey, Tim Conley type. Now, you can say, well, how's that going for Minnesota? I get it. It, it doesn't look great. You're and I's opinion of... Hey, I liked the move. You're Minnesota. Why not? It's not going great. That's fine. Okay, whatever. I still but I'm not gonna, did it. I do too. I, I'm not going to get fired or lose my job and be like, yeah, I didn't really swing for the fences there, did I? If I'm going to lose my job, you're not going to go, well, Brandon Sprague was a GM who didn't do anything. You're going to at least go, he tried that one move. The move didn't work and it cost him, but like that is how I would just operate. What is it going to take to win? And I, the Dame press conference that, that sticks with me, he's had a million of these, but you know, the most recent one when he was, he's dropped 70 and he was in the post game and he shared that story about people don't appreciate journeys. They don't appreciate the, in them now, like going and winning a four overtime game in the playoffs and what that locker room is like, like, yeah, he wants to win the championship, 
There's been like eight teams to win the title in 35 years or whatever. People don't appreciate that. That hearing that comment that gave me goosebumps. I don't know how you operate in a world where you're hyper competitive and you watch that guy say that because he wants to continue playing for your franchise and you go, yeah, I'm not willing to risk this guy and this guy and this guy for the dude that's shown me all the loyalty, all the love and done nothing but represent you speaking a job, represent my city in a great way and our organization right. in a great way. I'm going all in. And if I fail, I fail. And I don't know Joe personally, but by God, I hope he's living by that. I know Joe, you know, decently well. And just from, you know, from, from what I've you know been able to gather, I think that is his, I mean, he, he had that line at his press conference and now obviously, you know, GMs can say whatever they want at press conferences and, you know, you take it with a grain of salt until it happens. But he said, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up the exact quote because I have it uh, transcribed here, but I thought this was actually pretty telling. Uh, this was from his press conference right after the trade deadline. Uh, I am trying to find. Uh, uh, Which, by the way, for the audience out there, as you look up the line, not an easy press conference to, to go have to do. Not only did you not do what many were hoping you would, but then you also traded away the free agent that you signed. And that and then five minutes, literally, and... literally five minutes before yeah. that press conference started. Uh, and then here's Sean Hyken going, hey, Joe, there's a report out there. And he's like, right. And, I, right, oh, and it looked man. like I was like ambushing him or trying to like put him on the spot. And I was just like, no, you know, I, no. I, I was like, no, man, I literally saw this at the same time that everybody else did. Like five you, minutes before, you, like, you need to be commended. I need you to know, like, you don't need to defend yourself there. You did your job. And I don't care if it comes off as ambushy or whatever. Everybody was thinking the same thing. Everybody had Twitter up. They all saw the report. And he was talking like, I was glad that you did that. You did the right thing there. Okay, I've got the, I've got the quote here. I've got the quote. Uh, here's, this is, this is, I'm just going to read as much of this as I think is, uh... okay, here we go. Here's, here, here's, here's what he says. Uh, you, you won't see from this group a lack of trying. This is Joe Cronin on like the day after the trade deadline, that, before the Oklahoma City game. You won't see from this group a lack of trying or a lack of innovation or a lack of creativity. We're going to be ridiculously aggressive to the point where once we push all our chips all the way in, you might look and say, wow, they lost that deal. They gave up a lot for that guy. But that's just us pushing our chips in. We feel extremely obligated to put a great roster around Damian Lillard. And when I say we, that's from the top. Uh, Jody and I have had a lot of conversations about how important it is for us to do right by Dame. We plan on doing that, but, and you can ask Dame this, he understands it. It doesn't always fall into place immediately. So he literally said, like, eventually we're going to do a trade where people look at it like the Rudy Gobert trade, where people are like, wait, they gave up so much money. They gave up so much for that guy. Like, and, you know, you can look at it the other way, like the other big jazz, you know, trade like that, the Donovan Mitchell one, that's working mm -hmm. out great for Cleveland right now. That's going great exactly for Cleveland. as well. They gave up a ton for Donovan Mitchell, and that's going phenomenally for them. Like, they, they, you know, they're one of the, I don't think they're as good as Milwaukee and Boston, but they're, you know, right up there with the other teams in the East. Like, they, that trade did exactly what mm -hmm. they hoped it would do when they made that trade. And so, I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it was, I would say it was encouraging to hear Joe say that, you know, we are willing to, like, quote unquote, overpay for somebody. 
like that if we think it really like puts us in in, in a position to contend for Dane. Well, and I, you know, I think the one thing I've had, yeah, I've had listeners on the radio show. I've seen people on Twitter like, "Hey, how come how, after, especially after the deadline, why don't you criticize Joe?" And I'm like, "Well, can we, I'll give him one more? Like, can I give him a summer? Like, I wasn't expecting them to even make a big move at the deadline personally, and then the the, the GP two thing happens, and I I see that and get buzz on my phone. I'm like, "Well, that's an awful situation, and clearly something's not right there." But like this immediate like. Oh, you were so hard on the last guy. It's like, oh, you mean the guy was here for 10 years and lost LaMarcus for nothing and wouldn't trade uh, a copycat player, a clone for an obvious need that they had? Like, yeah, I was hard on that guy. If Joe goes 10 years, I think that's the quote that you just pulled. Like, if they come back next season and it's basically this is the roster and there isn't any new significant piece. Pull that quote up and be like, hey, you may remember you you said, and I quote, and then you read it off, and like that's when you hold accountability. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be reading quotes directly to no, I know, the but you get, you get my anymore. overall point that was. I did, I did, no, I, 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 did, I did that once in the moment, and I still think it was yeah. the right thing to do. I don't, I don't, I, I do too. I don't, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's something I want to start doing. I, no, I know, but that. you catch my point is he's put no, I got that you. in ink now of like, yo, this is the expectation. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. summer is and, there for you. And one thing that I, and I think Danny has talked about this many times on your guys' program and on here, on here with me when he's been on and on mm-hmm. his rate on his radio show on your network and, and wherever else. Our network, Sean, our network. Technically, yes. Uh, so, so far, everything Joe has said he was going to do, he's done. He cleaned up the books as far as like future salary cap stuff. It took him, you know, a year to do that, getting all the, you know, contracts off the books that were like bad long term stuff. He took big upside swings. He drafted Shaden Sharp. You know, he signed Gary Payton the second, even though they had, you know, more positions of need he took kind of a talent you know swing that one was a misfire but he took a swing like he he didn't say oh all of my moves are going to be perfect and you know you get between you know how it shook out in the end with you know the weird medical stuff and just how long it took for him to come back like his first big free agent signing was a misfire that has to be that has to be said but you can understand the place that it was coming from and it's been consistent with the way that he's talked about how he wants to do the job and how he wants to build the roster. So until proven otherwise, I'm inclined to believe that Joe Cronin is being honest about his intentions. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I think, you know, the GP two thing was so bizarre and I think it caught a lot of people off guard that it was an immediate, like, Oh, it's an S show. They don't know what they're doing over there. And I understand it. I get it. But, I, in a, in a, in a vacuum, man, there's, there's always more to a story. Clearly you saw right. the reaction from golden state side where you're immediately like, Oh, and that team lied to us. And then that they were like, Turns what? Out- excuse me. <laughs> Turns out the reporters were the one that did the the lying there. Right. So, you know, I, I just, I think it's a big off season for him. And, and personally, like I, I wanted to ask you, make sure I get this in, in the, on the pod with you. Um, I, I get a lot of noise on Chauncey. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on Chauncey so far? This is another thing that I got a mailbag question about this morning that I published. I 
Where did the, you publish uh, it at? The RoseGardenReport.com. Oh. Funny you should ask. There you go. Go subscribe. Go subscribe. I'm not a, like, basketball X's and O's expert, so I'm not going to get out here and, like, do film breakdowns of, like, oh, I think Chauncey's play calling is this or this or his out-of-timeout strategy is this or, 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 or whatever. Like, I, that just is not my area of expertise. And, you know, one thing about me is, like, I'm not going to tell you I'm an expert in something if I'm not. Like, I'll be honest with you. If, like, there's something that is not really my wheelhouse and I just will, you know, not, you know, give an opinion just to give an opinion. I do the same thing with the draft. I don't watch any college basketball, so I don't really have strong opinions about draft prospects for the most part. But what? What I will say, though, about the about the coaching thing is I have covered teams in the past that it was obvious that Guys were tuning the coach out. You know, the last Tibbs year in Chicago, both of the Fred Hoiberg years in Chicago that I had, he never really had any of those locker rooms with, like, Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade and, like, Joakim Noah. Uh, honestly, the last year of Terry Stotts, guys were kind of over it. And, you know, there were some guys, like, Dame, would, you know, rode with him till the end, but, you know, there were some guys who didn't like different things about him and you know mm -hmm. frankly the first half of last season before they traded everybody away there were guys who didn't love chauncey's approach or didn't love their role yeah. on those team on, on that yeah. team. a lot of those guys are not there anymore i'm in the locker room before and after pretty much every home game i have not really gotten a sense that anybody on the team or anybody in the locker room is unhappy with their role or has tuned chauncey out or you know, doesn't buy into what he's trying to preach. Like, the team isn't very good because they don't have the level of talent to be, you know, to play the way that they want to play or to play at the level that they want to play at. Like, I've seen, t I, I, it's all a long-winded way of saying, I've seen teams quit on a coach and I've seen team, you know, a coach not be able to hold a locker room or guys, like, not respect them or not, you know, buy into what they're doing. And I have not seen that with this team. And that's, I think that's the one thing that I am qualified to really, you know, pass judgment on because I've seen what it looks like when it goes the other way. And that's not something that I have really seen with this group. Well, I personally, I hate college basketball and I YouTube every prospect for 10 minutes and then I, <laughs> I get an opinion. So I think you need to jump on that, that bandwagon, yeah, Sean. I think you no, need to dive just, in. Uh, what are we going to do this year without the Mike Schmitz video breakdowns to, uh, to I know to Who, who's replacing Schmitzy on ESPN. I don't know who's replacing him on ESPN. Uh, you know, I think there are other, like, I think Kyle Mann does a great job at the ringer. That's a guy that does yep. a lot of film breakdowns and stuff. He's really good. I'm a big fan of Kristen Peak at Yahoo. I think she does really. And, like, she, she's, she's very similar to Schmitz in the way that, like, I see her at all of these things. Like, all yeah. of the, not just, like, the big college tournaments, but, like, all the international stuff, all the AAU stuff. Like, she's she's out there, like, in person, you know, scouting these guys. Like, she knows these guys probably as well. Now that Schmitz is out of the media space, she probably has, like, had eyes on these on these people for longer than anybody. So I'm a fan of hers. Like, there are other folks I probably... He's not, like, with a major media platform, but my my guy Brian Schroeder, who's, like, a longtime friend of mine, who's a... His his Twitter is Brian J. Draft. Uh, he, he is really good at this kind of stuff and has been doing it for a long time, so I want to give him some props and give him a mention, but there are guys that I, I turn to, but I mostly just like, 
I'm I'm not I'm not going to be sitting. I mean, you know, this is more Danny's thing than it is mine. And he, you know, Danny's great at that, and he does like those like prospect video breakdowns once the, you know, it gets into that time of year. So that's just that's just not really my lane. So I don't really do it. I just kind of let oh. the people who are I let the people who are actually good at it do it, and then you know I I bring them on to be like, no, you you edge. It's 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 honestly it's the same thing that I did you know, throughout the season, like when the Blazers were playing somebody interesting, like right. last week I had Christian Clark on who covers the Pelicans. And I'm like, yeah. the Pelicans Christian's are an yeah, interesting. Good. Yep. The Pelicans are interesting. They're a team that's like kind of in the same tier as the Blazers. I want to know what's going on with them. I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, I watch every single Pelicans game. I know the ins and outs <laughs> of their entire season. So I'm going to bring somebody on who actually does. And that's kind of the same way I do with the draft. So I'll, you know, when it gets to that, you know, whether the Blazers are in the lottery and, you know, we're looking at maybe, you know, which top 10 guys are they targeting if they don't trade the pick or they sneak into the playoffs, give that pick to Chicago and they still have that pick from the Knicks that's going to probably be like the high teens, low 20s, what, somewhere in there. There's still somebody that they might be looking at with that. So I'm whoever they end up taking, I'm going to get somebody on who has seen them, that player more than I have and, you know, get, get opinion, you know, get some perspective that way that's usually how i like to do it i need the sean hyken rose garden report lottery hit or miss and i need you to go through all the lottery picks and you tell us good great or bust and then we'll just keep track as the years go by year after year and it'd be great because you'd just admit i didn't watch this dude play not a second but his name his look it all looks good (laughs) well my guys uh do you do you know uh, are you familiar with round ball rock uh familiar yes not like yeah so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a basketball podcast it's hosted by a couple of buddies of mine joey divine and sean keen who are stand-up comedians in la and it's like it's like a it's like a half serious half not serious <laughs> podcast and they have like a lot of different running bits there's a lot of like the like the like the zach Lowe one beer thing came from that or like for right. example or like like there's like there's a lot of different like bits like that that they that they do but one of their recurring things that they do every year, like a week before the draft, is they will go through the list of like the top 50 prospects. And just based purely on their name, not even based on anything, knowing anything about their game, what school they went to, what their stats were, anything about their background or their college performance or you know where they're from or whatever. This is the player's name. Is that a bust name, a star name, or just a guy name? <laughs> and it's a pretty, they have actually a pretty good hit rate on it. I would say, uh, I bet you somebody stole that idea because now I'm seeing that in the NFL at the combine. I'm seeing guys assess, is he a franchise quarterback based on his face? Do you look at his face and go, yep. Franchise quarterback. That dude looks like a franchise quarterback. <laughs> it's so funny. You can't do you can't do that in the NBA anymore because like Nikola no. Jokic looks so not much not to get into the MVP discourse, which is like probably as toxic right. as it's ever been. And I've never been more happy that I don't actually have a ballot for the awards or any of this. Stuff. What so are you a racist voter, Sean? <laughs> I I don't know who I would vote. I'd probably vote for Jokic, but I don't have a definitive answer of who I'd vote for because I don't have to. That's the thing. So, like, I don't. Yeah. My, my but, only discourse on the MVP, I just want to say real quick, it's not that Jokic isn't deserving. It's that I, I do value the other side. And Giannis is amazing on the other side. So I tend to, to lean yeah. that way. 
I tend to feel like with any of these things, the more effective way, if you think somebody should win MVP, to make the case is to make a case for your guy and not be like, oh, this other guy sucks for this reason. Because it's less, it's, it looks more like you have an agenda or you're... Yes. Like, if you want to, if you want to say, you know, Giannis should be MVP because the Bucks are the best team in the league and, you know, he's just as dominant as he was the last couple of years when he won MVP and he's like the be best player in the league in a playoff series. If you want to make that case, that's a great case to make. If you want to say to, you know, I think Joel Embiid should win MVP because he's the most dominant defensive big man in the league and the Sixers are a top mm -hmm. four seed. And, you know, he's also putting up, like, that's a good case to make. You don't have to also be like, well, but, you know, Nikola Jokic just like, he's not good because like the analytics are just, you know, misleading or, you know, what, what, whatever, whatever it is. Like whenever it gets into the stuff that's not, whenever it gets in, whenever it gets into like, oh, this guy that everybody thinks is going to win MVP shouldn't win because that's when it gets into like the bad faith stuff. Like if you're going to make an argument for somebody, like, Make an argument for that guy. Don't make it about you know. You know what it kind of reminds me of, like on a much less serious level. But this past fall, in like the three weeks leading up to the midterm elections, every other commercial on TV was a was a on behalf. It was either like a, a campaign ad put on by like the campaigns of like a candidate for governor or city council or whatever the case may be, or like a pat or like a political action committee associated with, you know, that candidate or, or whatever. I would say 90% of the ads that I saw from both sides of the spectrum were entirely about attacking the person that the person is running against and not about, these are the good things that this candidate has done. This is why you should vote for them. And, and it was a right, lot more right. of like, this is how terrible this person that they're running against is. And this is why you shouldn't vote for them. And I just, you know, obviously like, like that type of stuff has a lot more real world consequences than like who wins the NBA MVP. Like, I think the world will keep turning if Nikola Jokic is the three time consecutive MVP and doesn't win a championship. Like we'll all be okay. But like, I just feel like if you're going to make a case for Embiid or Giannis or Luca or whoever, Make the case for that guy. Don't make the case of like, oh well, Jokic shouldn't win it because of this. Well, and That's and I'll where just I say, down on it. yeah, and I, I tend to agree. I will say like three straight though to me is like it's such rarefied air in the league. What have there been three, mm -hmm. four guys that have ever done it? Last one was was Larry Bird. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I'm kind of old school here. This is my only fuddy duddy old school basketball take. Like, winning at the highest level. When you start to get into the rarefied air of, hey, something that only three other guys have ever done, I I kind of become curmudgeon-y basketball guy. And I'm like, so second round and out for the three-time MVP, like the three-straight MVP guy. Like I just – that matters a little bit to me. Um, but I, I'm not going to tear him – I mean, how do you tear him down? He, he's, he's an amazing an player. Season. Nobody, nobody's going to look at – No. Nobody, you know, take, taking all the, the other stuff out of it, like – just looking at the season Jokic has had, if you look at his, you know, stat line with his, you know, name and all the other context removed, and you showed somebody like his stats and his team's record, and was like, this player won MVP. Most people would be like, yeah, cool, sounds good. Yeah, offensively, probably the greatest seasons we've ever seen offensively. But yeah, yeah I, I would understand. There's just, it. There's, 
but it's also i think i think the other thing that has like contributed to like a, a, a lot of this toxicity of it and i think to be clear i think it's good that ballots are public now and the league releases the names and like the actual ballots of everybody who votes on these awards because i think that type of transparency and accountability is good especially yeah. when it gets into like guys have contract incentives tied to stuff and that's also why they you know it used to be that like team broadcasters would have a vote and now it's like anybody who's a team employee doesn't have a vote because like they might have an interest in their guy winning it or somebody else mm -hmm. winning it or whatever but i think it's good that that transparency is out there but i also think it's led to a lot of like group think or, or or just like people feeling like oh you know if i if i don't vote for the guy that everybody thinks i should vote for i'm gonna get crushed on social media and so i'm just gonna kind of vote <laughs> the same way everybody else votes because of you know be, you know because i don't i don't want to deal with the mentions which i mean i'll be honest i said earlier that i'm glad that i don't have a vote for these awards if i did if the league came to me and said hey we want you to vote on the awards I would put in the work and take it seriously and actually try to do a good job and try to vote for the right people. I wouldn't, and I don't think anybody who does vote on the awards at this point just does this, but like, I think that most of the people who, you know, have ballots, you know, actually put in the work and, you know, take the, take the responsibility seriously. And I would approach it the same way, but I also am not sad that I don't have to deal with like, Oh, you, you know, as soon as the ballots come out, you know, there's one vote that like, oh, you voted my guy third instead of second. Like, you're an idiot. And like, you have to deal with that, like in your mentions all day. Mm. Like, I, oh, I'm good. Yeah. I, I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm good. I'll be, I'll be Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. Uh, give me the vote. <laughs> let me vote. I'll take it seriously. And then if you want to come at me, I'll be the guy in the sword and everybody's coming in with the horses. I'm ready for yeah, it. I, I would love I, it. I, I'm, I'm too I, old. As a non-voter, as a non-voter, let me vote one time. That's all I'm asking sure i mean it is kind of a prestige thing like just it's cool uh, it's a cool thing to have a vote man yeah yeah but i'm i used to when i was younger i used to like actively i used to really want to vote because i was like oh it's a status thing it'll mean i've made it in the industry now i like mostly actively don't want one <laughs> i'm just like i'm you got good. your dream and you're like nah that's not a cool dream it's not that cool it's not that cool of a dream being you know being sent an email link to click on like some drop down menus. I remember one year, because uh, they used to do it. I, I, I don't think they do it this way anymore, but I think they used to do it by a drop down menu. And thankfully, for whichever person this was, this was before they started making the ballots public. Uh, it was like you could just like drop down from every player in the league that's eligible for this award. And somebody, there was one person for sixth man of the year that voted first place. I forget what year this was, mm -hmm. but voted first place, sixth man of the year, Jordan Crawford clearly meant to check the box for Jamal, but accidentally like <laughs> met one down and, and checked Jordan Crawford instead. <laughs> and now like that person, if that ballot was public, clearly it was an honest mistake. Like, but like if that person if that ballot was public that person's gonna get killed by that for the rest of their career did lebron have him removed as a voter after he picked jordan crawford or <laughs> <laughs> wow and on that note i think that's probably a good place we somehow got an hour out of a blazers team that there's really not a whole lot to say about it's it's actually really funny i was this mailbag that i published this morning like 
all the questions that I got, like, were just like giant shrugs. It's like, how, uh, you know, how much of this is coaching? I don't know. Yeah. How, yeah. how do you build a good defense around Damon and I don't know. Right. How, what's Justice Winslow's status update? I don't know. Why haven't they signed anybody <laughs> on the buyout market? Yeah. Like, that's kind of just where the team is at. Like, Dame is awesome. The rest of the team isn't very good. Yeah. Uh, Nurkic might be back soon. We somehow got an hour out of it. So, hey, dude, I, I love, you know, I love talking hoops with you. We get a little outside of the Blazers. We weave the Blazers back in. And we're going to do more of this during the playoffs once the Blazers are not in it anymore. I yeah. Think that's because, like, because, like, I, I've already been, like, there's some stuff I want to do. Like, I want to do some, like, season in review stuff, but, like, there's, not gonna be a whole two months worth of focused blazers topics between the season ending and the draft and free agency stuff getting ramped up so we're gonna we're gonna do some like let's check in on the whole rest of the playoffs and just kind of bounce around and do this kind of stuff we're gonna do some of that in like late april early may that type of thing all i ask is for people root hard and root very, very uh, hopeful that uh, Damian Lillard can indeed get a scoring title. It's awesome, and I'd love to see him do it. Brandon Sprague, Jack Ramsey's, uh, Dirt and Sprague, what, 7 to 10? 6 to 9 a.m. 6, 6 to 9, 9 a.m. 6 yes. to 9, 1080 the fan, Woo. Monday through 1080 Fridays. 1080 the fan, yep, yep. Thanks as always, man. Hey, as a longtime, first-time Rose Garden Report subscriber. Thank you, Sean, for all that you do. It's a pleasure talking hoops with you, man.